The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming Stephen Wilson onto Headliner Radio. So welcome. How has lockdown been treating you, first of all? Yeah, I guess like a lot of people, I've, you know, the kind of enforced being home side has kind of forced me to, you know, come up with things to do, new projects. So I've started a lot of things that I've always planned to do, but never quite got around to. So mm. it's kind of, it's it's been a wonderful opportunity to sort of do those things, you know, and actually get them underway. So, I mean, it's probably better to say I've never been busier, which is, which is ironic, really. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have said that, actually, and a lot of producers yeah, have said, yeah. you know, my life hasn't changed at all. This is the producer's life, locked up in a studio, not seeing anyone. Um, yeah, so have you found it to be like that as well? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of forced, as I say, it's kind of forced me to be more creative in a way. Um, so, you know, not going out on tour, for example, because that was something that was going to be really consuming me for most of the rest of this year, planning my tour. So since that was kind of off the table, it was like, okay, what can I do? And and I came up with all these ideas and collaborations, you know, being able to collaborate with people via the internet mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Started, I created, I started a podcast with a friend of mine. Uh, started on a book project. So all these things that I kind of planned to do one day and probably would never have got around to realistically, you know, are actually happening now. It's wonderful. Mm, well, it's good. It's good you've got the time, I suppose, to make that mm. time. As um, A lot of people have been putting things off. You know, they say, I can finally learn this project or let Indeed, us do this, yeah. focus on this. So that's great. And I know you've got a lot, obviously, coming up because your sixth um, studio album is due for release in January. Um, mm. So before we get into that a little bit more, um, what can fans expect from, you know, your new release next year? I think the thing the thing with my catalogue is, and I always say this whenever I'm asked this question, is expect the unexpected, you know, because yeah. I'm, the, I'm the kind of person that doesn't really like to repeat myself. And, and in a way, that's been part of the, you know, quote-unquote problem with my career is if you want to have a very successful career, then you create a signature sound and you basically just keep plowing that particular furrow, you know. And I think one of the things that I've always admired in the people that I grew up really, you know, admiring, people like Bowie and Frank Zappa and Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel and that kind of artist, if they're always changing and they're always confronting the expectations of their audience. And so I've, I've always felt like that was the kind of artist I wanted to be. So that's a very long time answering your question, but but basically the, the new record is quite different again for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's much less of a rock album at the time. There's a lot more use of electronic music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still sounds like me, but I think musical palette has moved more towards electronics and, and synthesizers. And it's perhaps a record that sounds very much of now and I, again I say that because I think some of my previous records are were kind of obviously homage to either the 70s or the 80s and this album I don't think is any of those things I think it's very much an album rooted in you know contemporary music and what's happening now mm. and um, before we delve into you know the release a little bit more just for a bit of background for our listeners um, you obviously became interested in production at a really early age because your dad built you a multi-track tape machine you began to experiment mm-hmm. with you know overdubbing and some production techniques and obviously these days you're, you pride yourself on your high standard of production and you're a sought after mixer and producer so it kind of brings us on nicely to um, in particular your, your new single Personal Shopper which is being released in Dolby Atmos Music um, on August 7th so obviously that's really interesting Firstly, just um, what intrigued you about creating an album in this immersive audio format? 
Well, I think the first thing to say is I've always been interested in, you know, well, I say always, certainly for the last 20 years or so, I've been interested in multi-channel playback music. It's going back to the days when I first got into 5.1 mixing, which was around 2000, 2003. I was introduced to some guys from DTS who were very interested in having me mix one of my albums into 5.1 and that was actually done by another producer a guy called Elliot Shiner who's like a legend in you know production and mm-hmm. multi-channel mixing but I kind of watched him do that and I completely got booked straight away went back and put a setup together in my own studio started to do most of my catalog every time I would do a record I would always do a 5.1 mix and then started to get noticed and I think the big breakthrough was getting a Grammy nomination around 2007, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And once you get a Grammy nomination, people start, as I found, other people start approaching you. I started to get other people coming to me for um, surround sound mixing. There are artists that had multi-track recordings from going back to the 60s and 70s, and they wanted re- to reissue them in surround sound. So I started to get involved in that and, and totally loved doing it. Sorry, sure, ever since that time, I've been very much interested in the possibilities of surround sound, immersive audio, multi-channel playback. And so Dolby for me, something that's my radar for a while. And people began to ask me, you know, so these same people that were asking me to do 5.1 began to ask the question, can you do Atmos? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is, you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of made a point of finding out what that was um, and got introduced to the guys from... We went went down to the Abbey Road playback at Abbey Road um, uh, late last year and heard for the first time myself uh, a playback in Dolby Atmos and just thought, wow, you know, I have to to do this. So at the point it was like, okay, I was almost finished with my new record and made a decision, I'm going to mix it in Atmos. Um, so, so that's what we've done, and now I've got my own setup at home, and I'm pretty much as I did with Five Point. I'm beginning to do everything I do now, very much with Atmos uh, and Atmos Mix also in mind at the end of the process. Mm, okay, and obviously people will be familiar with Dolby Atmos for the film world because it's totally, you know, revolutionised the, the way people experience cinema. But people perhaps mm. won't be as aware of its, you know, emergence in the music sector. But it obviously makes total sense, doesn't it, um, that it would lend itself to that. Um, so for the listeners yeah. that aren't aware, can you just briefly explain what Dolby Atmos music brings to a mix and how it heightens the listening experience and that immersive kind of audio vibe? Well, I mean, use the Python there, you know, and quite literally, it does heighten the listening experience because yeah. unlike five point, unlike five point one, which is basically all on the horizontal plane, so you have speakers behind you, you have speakers in front of you, and you have a speaker in the centre. Atmos, of course, Korea has the elevated speakers, so you get this impression, kind of vertical depth to the music as well as horizontal depth to the music as well as a couple of extra speakers at the side too. So it's really, I mean, for people that are familiar with 5.1, it's going to feel like the next logical step um, on from that in terms of being a completely immersive experience that that now enables the mixing engineer to move all the information above the listener, Mm -hmm. well as to the very discreetly to the side of the listener. So it's really the next step on. And if you love 5.1, then you're probably never going to want to go back once you've heard Atmos. Much like people didn't want to go back to stereo once they fell in love with 5.1. It's like, well, it's like going 
to this kind of very small reproduction of this music that sounds incredibly three-dimensional mm. in, in, in 5.1 and even more so now in, in, in Atmos, yeah. Yeah, and um, the, the, the album's box set will feature a high-res stereo version of the Future Bytes, um, a 5.1 mm-hmm. mix, as you said, um, a Dolby Atmos mix. So is the, is the Atmos mix just on the Blu-ray? Will it be available you know, in any other method, like on um, streaming, for instance, or CD? Well, that's a good question because this is my first experience of releasing uh, something in Amos. So I'm not really aware right now what the potential and what the options are. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm constantly talking to the guys from Dolby about. Um, I know that Dolby Atmos mixes can be made, avail- made available through services like Tidal, and I'm mm-hmm. sure we're looking at that. Um, but this is my management kind of dealing with this side of things. But for me, the most important thing right now is that the album will be available for people. To listen to on the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray will be released independently of the box set too, mm-hmm. so you don't have to buy, so you don't have to buy the big fancy expensive box set if you're interested in hearing the surround version of the album. So there'll be a, a standalone Blu-ray, too, a much more affordable way to hear it. And yes, we're, I mean, you know, I'm all about spreading the music as wide and as far as possible. So if there's an opportunity to put it out through streaming services, we'll do that too. And we're also looking at doing some playback events in, in the week of release. Because I do, you know, I do to acknowledge to myself that there are a lot of people out there that listen to my music and like like my music that realistically will never have the chance to listen to the album in Atmos. So we're gonna do a series of playback events in the week of release around the UK, possibly a couple in, in Europe as well. Uh COVID providing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and just talk about the album and then let them play and let them hear the playback of the album in this kind of glorious immersive uh immersive way yeah how it was meant to be heard and um what about for the people that um you know do have a bit of a setup at home who will have the blu-ray so will they need you know the minimum will it be a 5.1.2 uh, system and you know a compatible avr yeah so to, so to hear it in all its glory 7.1.4 um is ideal okay. um, and i do and I have made quite extensive use of the, the potential of, of that kind of configuration. So that's what I have in my studio now, what I mixed the album on. So ideally, um, four speak, four elevated speakers, two at the front, two at the back, and the two extra side speakers. Um, and I, you know, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not completely aware yet how much uh, you know, the possibilities for people to hear things in a domestic setting in Atmos. I know there are a few people out there that are starting starting to invest in those kind of systems. Um, and as you, you mentioned cinema, I think cinema is kind of the driving force here. A lot of people already have Atmos systems at home mm-hmm. um, for, for experiencing cinema. So now, you know, I, I always say when a band like the Beatles, you know, kind of engage with Atmos, that's when you know the potential is there for the market to really open up. Oh, yeah. Um, because I'm sure a lot of people will have possibly just gone out and bought an Atmos system just so they can hear mm-hmm. um, rows in Atmos. And that's a big, big thing for an artist like the Beatles to embrace it. Yeah. And um, obviously the, the mix itself was done at Dolby's London HQ by yourself and mm-hmm. Jake Fields, who's the, mm-hmm. the mix engineer at Dolby. Um, so mm-hmm. how, how does working on a Dolby Atmos mix differ to a stereo mix? Well, it, it, in some ways, 
we weren't going from stereo to Atmos. We, what we were actually doing is going from 5.1 to okay. Atmos because I'd, al- I'd already created my 5.1 mix. And luckily, we had a very seamless transition when, we went, when, I, went to, when I took the tracks to the Dolby studio. We were able to basically load up my 5.1 mix and just keep going, in a sense. So, like, say, okay, now what would be great to have in the elevated speakers? What we lift out of the 5.1 mix? And we started with just some very simple and obvious things, and the more we worked on it, the more experiments we got, you know. So it was it was a very, very easy transition to go from 5.1 to 7.1.4 in that sense. Mm-hmm. And Jake, obviously, being a lot more experienced than me in doing Moss uh, Mixes, was able to make a lot of suggestions. You know what, this would sound great doing this. And, and we just had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun with it. Um, but, it, but it, you know, as I said, I think if you've already got a 5.1 mix, it's not a massive leap into into Atmos. Um, it, it's a massive leap in terms of experience, you know, to hear something in Atmos is, is you know, is a big jump. Mm. But I think in terms of actually mixing, for me, I was already familiar with the basic kind of concepts of, of surround and multi-channel mixing. So 7.1.4 was just like having a few more toys to play with, you know, and lots more possibilities to create this useful three-dimensional experience and with and with jake's help we you know uh, we had a lot of fun mm. sounds like you know a bit of a learning experience as well but totally positive one of course but but a, but a, yes but a very very fun one and you know we went a bit crazy. and you know I, I i think in some ways um of atmos as being an opportunity to do to be a little bit more experimental with the mix with 5.1 i've always been perhaps a little bit more conservative to not have things whizzing around the room because I know that can be quite quite distracting for people who are familiar with the stereo. But I thought to myself, you know what? I've got 5.1 mix. People are going to have that. Let's go a bit nuts with the Atmos mix. Mm. You know, let's make let's make it really fun. You know, and so we do. You really can go nuts, can't you? Because obviously the Dolby Atmos renderer software program works alongside your door to create up to 128 objects and bed channels yeah. in the Dolby Atmos mix. So was that challenging to adjust to or to to get that right? Well, it took a while to get my head around it, you know, and, and also one of the beautiful things about the Dolby Panner and, and the Dolby Renderer is you have all, kind of, you know, algorithms that enable you to automate, you know, moving from speaker to speaker. You can draw, you can draw moves literally with your mouse. You can draw where you want the object to move in space. And that's something I wasn't able to do previously with 5.1. So we had a lot of fun, you know, with the, also with the sequencer that enables the sequence moves. Uh, automate that you know based you know based on the tempo essentially so every beat of the track it moves to a different speaker you know we're, so we had we had a lot of fun and uh we we, we played silly buggers basically with it but it's a it, sit there with at least i like to think you kind of sit there with your jaw open while all this stuff's going on around you mm, definitely and um just curious which um which door did you use with the atmos panel the music panel because obviously it works with you know avid pro tours Ableton Live, yeah. etc. Which one did you use? So I'm a died in the wall logic logic user. Okay. So I'm not sure how many people have have used um, the Dolby uh, software in conjunction with Logic so far, but uh, it worked beautifully. Um, and uh, as I say, we were just able to load up my Logic sessions, um, replace the 5.1 panner with the Dolby panner, and start having fun with objects and. 
Um, and it was a very, very seamless experience, I'm happy to say. Yeah, and obviously you must have been impressed, as you mentioned, um, you know, you've got your own studio at home now, so it's the full spec 7.1.4 yes. Dolby Atmos mixing room mm-hmm. with Genelec monitors. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did mm-hmm. you get that installed then? Pretty much as soon as I'd finished working with Jake, I was like, okay, okay. I ha- much, much as I had done with 5.1 10 years previously, I'm like, having watched Elliot do his business, I'm like, okay, I have to. I have to get this for my own studio. And luckily, I was in the process of, of doing a new studio build. Um, so I moved house with my wife about a year ago. So I've been working on constructing a new studio at the side of the house. And so the timing was really good um, in terms of being able to really think about speaker positioning and even simple things like cabling. You know, there's a lot of cables if you put mm-hmm. yeah. an Atmos system in. You know, you've got 12 speakers spread around the room. So I was able to do all that and create a really nice clean space, which was created anew, essentially, with with this new uh, Amos system. And I had the builders put in beams specifically for the elevated speakers. So I was in a very uh, fortunate, you know, timing-wise, I was in a very fortunate position in terms of being able to think about exactly how to lay out this Atmos system in the room. Mm, okay. And have you been a Genelec user for a while? Just curious um, why the choice there. Are you a big fan? For surround, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the reasons I started with Genelec is that my previous studios have been quite small, um, and the Genelecs are great for, for you know, basically as near field. They're very small, compact, but they sound terrific. Um, so I've kind of stuck with my Genelec, even though I've got a slightly bigger space now, I've stuck with the Genelecs, and also very interested to see the Jake, you know, in, in the Dolby studio, mm-hmm. had exactly the same speakers. So oh, okay. they seem to be... They seem to be the, you know, the multi-channel, the surround mixers speaker of choice. Yeah. Which ones are you using? Which models? So I've got 8030s and my elevateds are the 8020s, which are the really, the really diddy ones. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they sound amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. (laughs) Okay. Well, you've clearly got your, your kind of set up all, well, set up there, haven't you? You're good to go now. Absolutely. I've already started remixing, I've already started Atmos projects for, for other people now, you know, I basically let everyone know, look, I can do this now. And, and as I say, people have been asking me, probably the last couple of years, it's been coming up more and more, can you do Atmos Mix? So now I've sort of told everyone, yes, I can do this now. And so I've already started on a few projects, which I can't mention yet because they're all unofficial. But mm. but let's just say moving forward, I'm expecting that, you know, a lot of my mixing work in, in the future going forward is going to be uh, in Atmos, which is fine by me because I love it. Yeah, well, yeah, you can definitely tell from talking to you how fantastic from working on that that you're going to end up, you know, doing a lot of it from your own studio as well. Um, a lot is clearly in demand, as you said. The Beatles, you know, are really going to help push that forward and get that interest out, aren't they? Absolutely, and I think you know it's like with Five Point One. The more catalogue that comes out, the more people, you know, every time an album comes out in surround sound, you have a bunch of fans who go out and invest in the surround. You know, it might be their favorite album of all time. It's like they mm-hmm. really want to hear that album in surround. So they go out and buy their system. They put their system in so they can hear their favorite album in surround, whether it's the Beatles or Pink Floyd or whatever. And then the next question for them is, okay, well, what else is there? What else is there that I can listen to on this system I've invested in? And, you know, so the more catalog that comes out, I think, it stands to reason the more people that are going to start to embrace uh, surround listening and, and immersive listening in a, in a kind of domestic environment. So I'm I'm very gung ho for for mixing as much stuff as I can now in Dolby and and, 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 and Amos, sorry, and, and um, 
spreading the word, as it were. Mm, yeah, I think it's only going to get um, more and more exciting in that kind of sector, and uh, we're going to see a lot more of it mm. coming forward, um, clearly. So, um, well, thank you so much today uh, for, for talking to us and talking us through this, you know, exciting new project and, you know, amazing new format. It's been really interesting to hear about your side of things and how you're going to be working with um, Dolby Atmos Music a lot more going forward. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. Oh, anytime. All right. Thanks, Stephen. See you later then. Okay, Alice, bye then. Cheers, bye. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.